continue in our study through the book of Jonah, we pick up in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 7. And they said, Every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know of whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Notice again, the lot fell upon Jonah. God is in complete control of the situation. God is in control of the events of Jonah's life right now, things that are happening to him. And God is showing mercy by being in complete control of Jonah's life. The storm coming was God showing mercy to get Jonah back into his will. The whole book of Jonah is really a lot about just God showing mercy to Jonah, God showing mercy to the Ninevites. It's a great book and great teaching about God's mercy to people, how God loves people, how God wants to help men of all stripes, of prophets from Israel, of the the wicked men in Nineveh. He wants to show all of them mercy. He wants all men to come to him. He wants all men to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Savior. God is all about mercy, and the book of Jonah so far has been all about mercy and all about God's sovereign control of the events in our lives and events of Jonah's life. Verse 7, Come, let us cast lots. This was a very ancient mode of endeavoring to find out the mind of the divine providence. And in this case, it proves that they were supposed the storm to have risen on account of some hidden crime of some person on board. The lot fell upon Jonah. In this case, God directed the lot. Charles Purgeon said this about verse 7 in the casting of lots. He said, What men call chances are in the hands of God. How sad that the best man on board the vessel should be convicted as being, for the time, the worst of all. When good men sin, their offense is very great. Let us pray God to preserve us, lest we also be put to shame before the ungodly. Now moving on to verse 8. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? Jonah, Jonah apparently at this time had had some discussions with these sailors, but he hadn't told them much about himself. He certainly was no witness for God at this point. He was a man out of the will of God, and a man out of the will of God could never be an effective witness for God. That's something very important for us to keep in mind. If you are out of God's will for your life, how can you be an effective witness for him like you should? Now let's notice what Jonah did not tell these sailors. First of all, they say to him, We want to ask you some questions since his evil has fallen upon us. What is your occupation? Jonah hasn't told anybody on board that he is a prophet. He's kept quiet on that. Next, they ask, Where did you come from? Jonah hasn't told them he is from gath Hefer in the northern kingdom of Israel. He hasn't said anything about his hometown. Next, they say, Where is that country? What country are you from? Again, he hasn't said that he is a citizen of Israel. They ask again, Of what people art thou? He hasn't said that he belongs to the Israelite people, that he is a prophet who represents the living God, and who has been called to go to Nineveh and bring a message of hope and salvation. He hasn't mentioned any of this. Jonah hasn't said any of this. Why do you think that is? Because he is a man that is entirely, at this moment, out of the will of God for his life. So move on to verse 9. And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. I am a Hebrew. Back then, that meant a lot. The Hebrews were known to be monotheistic. That is, they worshipped God. They worshipped one God, never an idol. They had no other gods before them but the God, the Creator God, and they worshipped Him. Now Jonah says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. 
Jonah tells them he worships God who made the ocean. He worships God who made the dry land. He worships God who made the storm, who made the sea. I think these sailors knew about Israel. They were pagan, and they had no knowledge of a living and true God. And, jo and Jonah had chosen not to share any knowledge of God with them. How many times do people come into our life that have no knowledge of the living and true God, that are not saved, that are hell-bound, that we choose not to share anything about God with them, that we choose not to share Christ with them? How many times does that happen in our life? We need to apply that situation to ourselves. How many times have we done what Jonah did here? We have the knowledge. We have the truth. We have opportunities to witness, to share the truth with others, and we don't take those opportunities. We let those opportunities go by. How many times have we been guilty of doing just what Jonah did and not sharing the truth of God and being just like Jonah was, out of God's will for our life? Therefore, we had no desire to share the truth of God with others because it was too convicting upon ourselves. How many times have we been in Jonah's place? How many times have we done the same things, out of God's will, and not shared God's truth when he had the opportunity and when we should have? But also notice this about verse 9. When questioned about God, when questioned, Jonah did finally answer, though he should have already witnessed for the Lord. He should have already given them this information. He kept it to himself. He kept it hidden. But when questioned about it, Jonah was fearless in his witness for God, which is something commendable we can say about him. When he was questioned, he spoke out like an honest man. He owed that his occupation was from the fear of the Lord. He hesitated not to claim of his God the supremacy over the gods of Babel of whom these men have been praying. He was ashamed of himself, but he was not ashamed of his God. He should have spoke up earlier. He should have spoke up when he first got on board, but again, he was out of God's will. He should have followed God. He should have went straight to Nineveh, but he was out of God's will. But we can commend, commend him on this fact. When he was finally questioned, when he finally had to give an answer, he was honest, he was straightforward, and he told them the truth about God. Now let's look at verse 10. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Why hast thou done this? Now they ask a reason for that of which no reason can be given. It was most unreasonable that Jonah had done this to them, that Jonah had ran from God. You know, it is very shameful when an unbeliever, someone who is not saved, says to a Christian, Why are you doing this? A rebuke to Jonah had just occurred. I imagine how shameful Jonah was of his actions, how shameful that he'd let God down, how horrible he felt at this moment, that heathens praying to their gods would approach Jonah and say, why have you done this? Why did you run from your God? Why did you involve us in it? Why have you done this? Now let's go ahead and look at verse 11. Then they said unto him, what shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was temptuous. These men recognize that they are up against a very hard decision, and they want Jonah to make that decision for them. They ask him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? And Jonah gives them a very straightforward answer. We see that in verse 12. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. I know for my sake. Jonah was saying, I am not worthy to live. Throw me overboard. God will not quiet the storm till I am cast out of the ship. Here we see a deep, honest avowal of his sin, owning up to his sin, owning up to what he had done, and a justification of the displeasure which God had now manifest upon Jonah and these men with this storm on the ship. Jonah also says here, cast me into the sea. Here Jonah is now a type of the Messiah. 
the one who offered himself to die in order to allay the stormy flood of God's wrath, which otherwise must be engulfed in all other men. Jonah here is also a good example of true repentance. He is sincerely and willingly ready to accept the punishment of his sin. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus references Jonah, starting verse 39, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Jonah is a type of the Messiah, a type of Christ. As Jonah uh, sacrificed himself willingly for the men on the boat, he was willing to sacrifice himself. He was in the belly of the whale for three days, and then he came out of that belly again onto dry land. So Jesus was willingly ready to sacrifice himself and did sacrifice himself for all men, past, present, and future. And as he was in the grave for three days, and then he rose again the third day victorious over sin and death. So Jonah here, as we study this, is a good type, a good representation in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah and the coming Christ. Now notice in verse 13, the Bible says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was temptuous against them. Jonah told them to throw himself overboard, but at the moment they refused. They were very unwillingly to proceed with that solution, and they thought they would be, it would be better to risk everything and try harder to row, try harder to bring the ship under control, than to throw this disobedient prophet into the deep. Verse 13 again, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it into land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was temptuous against them. But they could not. All their labor was for naught. God had given the order to his servants, the wind and the sea, both to obey him and both to keep Jonah a prisoner, self-condemned and desirous of what the mariners were unwilling to do to him. For the sea wrought and was temptuous against them. It was even more violent. It tossed more. It was more unsteady like a hurricane possibly, and every moment they were more in danger and more in danger by refusing to do what Jonah said to toss him into the sea. Again, we see mercy at play in the book of Jonah. First, we see God's mercy in sending Jonah, or ordering Jonah to go to Nineveh to pronounce judgment upon them, knowing they would repent of their sins and get right with God. We see God's mercy in bringing a storm upon the ship Jonah was in, in order to correct his actions and to bring him back into God's will for his life. Now we're seeing mercy demonstrated by these sailors. They did not want to throw Jonah overboard. They were willing to work as hard as they possibly could to not have to throw Jonah overboard, to show mercy to him. So we have three examples of great mercy being demonstrated, and we're only partway through chapter 1 of the book of Jonah. So far, the theme of the book of Jonah is mercy. Let's look at verse 14. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it has pleased thee. Now notice in beginning of verse 14, they cried unto the Lord. Now they are praying unto the God. Now they are praying unto the Almighty. They're praying to Jehovah. And this, they're praying unto him under great conviction that he is the self-existing being. He is the maker of the heavens and the earth. He is the author of this present storm. And they put up their prayers to him. Let us not perish for this man's sake. They were now about to cast Jonah overboard, but seemed to call to God to witness that it was with their utmost reluctance that they were doing so. 
and they were going to obey Jonah's call to throw him overboard, but they wanted to, to pray to God and let him know it was utmost reluctance that they were doing this. But they were acknowledging God as the God, and they were finally willing to obey the prophet in throwing him overboard. Now notice in verse 14 again, for this man's life, for taking out this man's life, innocent blood, as sailors were praying to God, do not punish us as thou that would punish those that shed innocent blood. Here Jonah is what we call an anti-type of Christ. We can remember in, in the New Testament, Pontius Pilate washed his hands and confessed Christ's innocence. I am innocent of the blood of this just person. But whereas Jonah was the victim, he was guilty, and the sailors were innocent. Christ, our sacrificial lamb, was innocent, and Pontius Pilate and his men were guilty. By imputation of our own guilt to him and his righteousness to us, the spotless antitype, Christ, the antitype of Jonah here in this verse, exactly corresponds to the guilty type of Jonah. Thou, Lord, hast done as it has pleased thee. Jonah had embarked on this ship, and then a tempest arose. It had been detected that it was Jonah's fault by the casting of lots. God was in control of the casting of the lots. God was in control of the storm. Sentence had been passed on to Jonah. He confessed to it, and the sailors were reluctantly, finally, after praying to the true God, willing to throw Jonah overboard. These sailors, these mariners, forsook their own gods and prayed to the only God, Jehovah. Their efforts to save Jonah did not work, and they were driven to cast him overboard. But they would not do it until they had made one last solemn prayer and appeal to God. What a sight it must have been to see these men on their knees against the fury of the storm, and they hear them say, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Nor did they forget all this when the tempest subsided. As you'll notice in verse 16, the account about these men said, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Jonah did have an impact for the Lord here. He was a witness for the Lord, just in a very different way. He showed, the, he showed these men, these mariners, that the Lord is a just God. The Lord is a merciful God. And that we should follow God's will for our life. We should not run from the will of God. Running from the will of God never pays. It is never a good idea to run from God's will for your life. Jonah tried. And Jonah failed miserably at running from the Lord's will for his life. Don't do the same. Don't be Jonah and run from God's will. Submit to God's will and run to God's will with everything you got.